Blog Talk Radio. The Marketing Technology Blog Radio Show with Douglas Carr, founder of the Marketing Technology Blog and author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies, online marketing strategies, web, search, social, email, mobile, news, tips, tricks, and best practices from actual marketers, search professionals, and social media experts. Happy Friday, everybody. We have on the line with us today Tom Foremsky. Uh, Tom is the founder and editor of the popular and top-ranked news site, Silicon Valley Watcher. Um, and he reports on business and culture, of course, of innovation uh, and really has an inside scoop to Silicon Valley. Uh, in May 2004, uh, and I love this about Tom, uh, Tom uh, was the first journalist to really leave a major newspaper and make a living as a full-time uh, journalist blogger. Um, and he's been reporting on Silicon Valley since 1984, and his current focus is on the convergence of media and technology, uh, the the fuel for the new era of Silicon Valley. Um, welcome, Tom. Great to have you on the show. Great. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Oh, you bet. And and I, I love the fact that uh, that you left the newspaper industry behind. I, I was I I actually. And I'm sure that you didn't leave it all the way behind. I'm sure that there's a piece of your heart that still loves it. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I worked in the newspaper industry for 10 years and mm-hmm. really saw the signs. Luckily, I was pushed out the door, so that always helped. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's it's great to see that someone and – and I think there's a model here that you were just so far ahead of your time. Uh, but there's really a model here, I think, for more journalists that – are talented and are able to build these incredible connections um, and 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 really get out on their own and get their own business. So congratulations uh, to you and all your success. Great, thanks a lot. And and what what stemmed that? What what was the uh, what was the moment when you thought you know this is the right thing to do? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure it was the right thing to do. Looking back, sometimes, but um, it was. Uh, you know, it was just this gut feeling that something had changed uh, in the industry and it wasn't going to go back, that all the uh, job losses and, and so on weren't part of a business cycle. Um, something fundamentally had changed and it would never be the same again. And I just wanted to be on the other end of the disruption uh, rather than on the sharp pointy stick end of it. Uh, because, you know, all my colleagues in newspaper business would be working, we were working longer hours, um, jobs weren't being replaced with new people, and it was just, I thought, you know, if I'm going to be working this hard, I might as well be working for myself and, uh, and you know, investigate what's going on out there. Um, coming from the old world and then plunged into the new world was uh, quite an eye-opener. And do you do you I, I mean on your on your site it says former journalist, um, but really you bring uh, an no I'm a former FT journalist. Okay, a former FT. Yeah. That's that's a good point, and that <laughs> I'm still a journalist. Absolutely, and that was and that was going to be my point is, do you still uh, call yourself a journalist or do you do you call yourself a blogger? Oh no, I call myself a journalist, but I can't control how other people. Uh, tag me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and yeah. I think I think that's that's fantastic because it's important for people. You know, I'm a blogger, and I know that what I do is very much just scratching the surface, 
and and the content that I provide and 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 we provide on our site doesn't have the professionalism and in-depth research and um, the network uh, that that a journalist is able to uh, apply. You know, I've never been professionally trained as a journalist, and and I have absolutely so much respect for them. That's where you know I'm I'm sitting here. I know I'm 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 salivating or drooling over what you've accomplished, but um, I just think it's an incredible thing to to take that upon yourself, leave the editorial, you know, leave that, that uh, huge mega business that's become so, uh, you know, infil- uh, I don't know what the right word is. It's incestuous, uh, I think, is, is probably the best word, um, where I saw people like yourselves that were so incredibly talented and and working their butts off and all of the profits were going to some you know, corporate mogul in another state that really didn't care one way or another about the stories that you were bringing to light for people. Yeah, that does, that does happen. Um, uh, but also, you know, um, we're living in really extraordinary times. Uh, um, the, uh, you know, people complain that the media is dying, uh, and yeah, part of it is dying, but we we also long live the media because we have more media, more forms and more formats at more times of the day than ever before. So it's an incredibly innovative, creative space right now. And Silicon Valley is right in the middle of that. It's interesting juxtaposing Silicon Valley against New York where, you know, the media industry lives. Um, really, uh, Silicon Valley has become a media valley. Our top companies are media companies. They publish pages of content with advertising, you know. And when when I used to say that a few years back, people didn't understand that. But today, you know, more and more people do see that that's true. And and do you think that one of the advantages uh, was being in a forward-thinking community, um, just having the, the entrepreneurial spirit, you know, that is Silicon Valley, uh, did that you know, really help drive the drive your success there. Um, Outside of your talent, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, I don't know. I think it's more of a kind of a cultural, personal cultural thing because a lot of my journalist colleagues they're very risk averse. They really don't want to run a business. And to be honest, I don't really want to run a business. I, I just want to go out interview people, come back, write stories. You know, I, I I really have no special talent in running a business as such. But also understand that, you know, going through these incredible times where the industry is truly being disrupted and, and that's why we have technologies called disruptive because they disrupt. Um it's not just a, a cute edgy name. Uh, and and so being an industry that's going through so much change, um, this is a great opportunity to to figure out what what it's going to look like in the, over the next ten twenty years. And it's often that we we're in a position where we can help create future. You know, I spend a lot of time, you know, decades going around Silicon Valley, looking over other people's shoulders and. Saying, oh, that looks cool. What you're looking on that chip, that software, that technology. Now, people are looking over my shoulder, my colleagues, and saying, oh, that looks interesting. What you're doing, um, 
Uh, and it's uh, it's it's wonderful to be uh, in such a vibrant, fast-changing sector. Hey, hey, Tom. This is uh, this is Marty. I, I know that you, uh, for some time now, have been, uh, you know, very vocal about the notion that that every company needs to be a media company, and and obviously, you know, we as marketers are beginning to see those types of changes, um, you know, in corporate America. What's your take on the 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 idea that um, you know how are companies getting it right? As opposed to approaching it from a completely wrong perspective. <laughs> Good question. Uh, I think first of all, they need to realise that you know if they make diapers or ball bearings, that, that they're also a media company. They're, they're, they're publishing to their prospective customers, to their staff, to their communities, and now with this um, two-way media we have, um, those communities are publishing back to them. So it's. Uh, it's it's very uh, dynamic, uh, fast-changing uh, media landscape. Um, and if you realize you are a media company, then the next step is well, how do I do this? Um, because you know th these aren't skill sets that are easily acquired. Um, so that's the interesting thing. Now that more and more people and more and more companies understand that they do have a media role, and they need to execute that as well as any other. Uh, business operation, then you know the, the conversation starts getting interesting because then how do you do it? And you know a lot of times I see companies trying to reinvent the wheel, and you know we already know how to do certain things. You know we already have best practices in, in, in a lot of these areas. We don't need to um, we don't need to start from scratch. And so I see sometimes people making kind of fundamental mistakes sometimes, and where Really, we already know how to do those things, and and you know that there's shortcuts uh, to getting there. Um, but also, you know, companies are uh, so some of them are willing to experiment more than others, while others are still very conservative, and that's fine. You know, everybody uh, progresses at different rates. What about the? Um, I, I've talked to a few companies where they're they're. Uh, Perspective on being a media company um, looks a lot like traditional PR that's been combined with uh, with their current content marketing strategy, and yeah. uh, I'm of the opinion that 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 really is it. That it's something I, I think better and above that. Perhaps it has to do with uh, things like disclosure and and how you uh, establish and maintain. Reputation in the community, and um, you know, yeah. you as a journalist, of course, uh, you know, uh, checking and rechecking the, the information that you're provided. I, you know, what's your take on how companies need to be doing all of that as a media company? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, so uh, I was reading the New York Times uh, the other, uh, I think, it was last week, and. Uh, there's a story about um, Flashman Hillard uh, acquiring a company, um, a, a content company, and 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 um, it's, what was it called? Oh, acquired Amos Content Group in a deal. Um, I was estimated at ten million dollars, and and the CEO of uh, Flashman Hillard is saying, well, every company is a media company, and we, this will help us help our clients uh, 
become media companies. Uh, I thought that was fantastic because, you know, one, you know, the idea is becoming more mainstream. It's good to see um, the CEO of Fleshman Hill, one of the largest PR companies, saying that. But the thing is, is that that um, um, that idea of every company is a media company is, is owned by um, marketing and PR, essentially, at the moment. It does have the third component, which is, you know, a seasoned media professionals advising these companies. And I think that's a, a great opportunity here now is to is to create that third leg of the stool. And, you know, that's what I'm hoping to do going forward is, is um, get a really top-notch, a crew of top editors and so on and journalists uh, and to be able to bring their expertise to bear on some of these ventures because the thing about PR and marketing handling uh, uh, every company is the media company means that they're not going to resist trying to meddle with the message. It's just not in their DNA to, <laughs> to be hands-off, for example, or to, uh, or to instill journalistic practices that work. Um, and so I really feel that really for every company to be a media company, for that to be a successful thing for companies, really needs to, we need to really bring in uh, into the conversation um, not just PR marketing people, but also media professionals that know how to do these things. Uh, and so I, I think that's the key component that's missing in in the message at the moment. Well, I, I, you're absolutely right. This is Doug. I was we were with a client this morning, and I can't say who they were, but a, a public uh, company, and they, they hired a, an actual newspaper editor to handle their their media, um, and they produce. Uh, and I think in the last 30 days, about 300 different articles on their site. And we were talking today about, and it was the marketing team. So, so you're, you know, what you said here is absolutely pertinent uh, because they were asking, you know, me, the consultant, you know, the direction that they take, and 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 we were discussing some of the strategies based on some of the analytics that we had gotten back. And so some of the conversations made. Um, the editor a little bit uncomfortable, you know that that we don't want to just just sit here and look at reports and based on the reports react with you know topics or stories or geographic locations to target. Um, you know his his point, you know that he made strong was, you know I want to produce quality content that really brings our company to the forefront and and I told the team. I said, always default to that. Always default to that. That we can we can provide reporting and we can provide um, you know some of the areas of opportunity that topics might be helpful in, but always, always, always default to you know great content. And the bottom line is, it's twofold. It's not not just that. Obviously, the quality of the the material that you put out so much higher and the respect that you draw from the audience is so much better. It's also that you're never going to have problems, never going to get in trouble with Google for, you know, spamming, you know, the search engines um, because you're just focused on great content more than anything else. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, I, some, I, I see companies hiring, uh, you know, former journalists and editors and broadcasters and so on, which is great. However, I think, you know, if you're hiring a journalist, you can tell the journalist what to write at the end. <laughs> you know, marketing PR is going to, you know, they're not going to sit still uh, or quiet, and uh, they, 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 they will meddle in, in, in that simple message and possibly mess things up. Or it's just going to look like corporate marketing speak at the end of the day, like everything else that they produce. Well, and I I guarantee the journalist stories will be there long after the marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. One thing is, you know, hiring uh, the skill sets you need in-house, right, so you can do it. Um, uh, I think... think, uh, a, a role that could be played by journalists in the in the consulting role because then, you know, you're dealing with the executables, you're dealing with you know the infrastructure. How how do you create an organisation um, that is true to the best values of journalism and, and quality media? Um, if if you're working for somebody, then you know there's always going to be that opportunity just to tell them what you want from them rather than them telling you or being able to tell, stand up and say, no, we're not going to do this because this is going to be wrong. Um, so, um, you know, I like to see companies uh, hiring um, former media professionals, but also that it doesn't mean that they're going to be successful with that strategy unless they put in a whole bunch of other um, uh, things in place uh, to make sure that's going to happen. That's fantastic. Well, let's Let's take a short break. It's just a, a two-minute break here um, to listen to our sponsors, uh, MindJet and Right On Interactive, and uh, we'll be right back with Tom Bransky. Each and every week, you get bombarded with hundreds of emails, dozens of meetings, countless requests, updates, and reminders, and a deluge of out-of-control deadlines and tasks. More information and distraction means less communication, which affects your productivity, efficiency, and your sanity. At MindJet, we offer the tools to help you get the job done. MindJet takes that information overload and organizes it visually in terms people can understand and shares it with those who actually need it. Work fast, work smart. Go to MindJet.com to learn more. Marketing tech blog listeners meet Right On Interactive. Right On Interactive is a marketing automation company that helps organizations win, keep, and grow business. They do this through a life cycle marketing solution that builds engagement throughout the life cycle of every prospect and customer. Recognized as a top-ranking marketing automation solution with a hands-on implementation strategy, Right On Interactive provides an engagement blueprint for sales and marketing teams so they see where to invest their resources to drive revenue. Engagement drives relationships, and relationships drive revenue. This is why nurturing relationships is key. Lifecycle marketing from Right On Interactive. It's the next evolution of marketing automation. To learn more, visit writeoninteractive.com. Email info at writeoninteractive.com. So there, there's some great marketing speech for you. 
<laughs> you can tell a journalist didn't write those ads. <laughs> uh, awesome, awesome sponsors and great, great companies. Um, talking to Tom Fransky from uh, Silicon Valley. Silicon. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Silicon Valley Watcher. We're having uh, too much fun in here. Um, Tom, we we had a question. Um, Anita Baker is with us, and Anita had a question about uh, some of the journalists, uh, young journalists, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I've been to a number of events recently um, where the conversation has been about uh, training journalists, you know, in in schools now, and a lot of the uh, emphasis that they're putting on, you know, creating skills that you know really work in the digital world, and you know, more computing skills and, and things like that. Um, so I'm just wondering, um, as you're hiring, um, I don't know if you're going to recent graduates, if you're talking to people who've been working in the field, you know. But what are you finding um, in terms of kind of the journalists that are that are coming out and you know how they work in your environment? You know, I can't really speak to that because I don't really have much exposure to um, to to those people. However, you know, I am often sometimes disappointed by uh, the journalism professors and so on that I come across um, because often they haven't been in a newsroom for 20, 30 years if, if at all sometimes and and the journalism that people are taught is often just so far removed from how it's actually done mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't go to journalism school um, i a lot of my colleagues didn't go to journalism school. Um, um, you, you know, you learn on the job. Um, it's not rocket science at the end of the day. Um, really there are principles you need to make sure you follow and so on. But I, I, I'm not sure what they're being taught a lot of the time. Uh, and um, I've often had better results working with people who have no experience of uh, journalism school Um, because they're more willing just to do it and figure out how to do it instead of thinking that there's only one way of doing something or um, there's only one proper way. Um, You know, journalism really, uh, there's all types of people who can be successful uh, in, in journalism. You know, you can be outgoing, or you can be an introvert, or you know, there's there's many ways of um, of getting there. And um, I'm not, sh- to be honest, I'm not sure what the journalism schools are, are teaching. I, I do hear that they're oversubscribed. That you know, there's tons of people want to take these courses, which is interesting, uh, given the <laughs> given the fact that. They're unlikely to find a job afterwards, and if they do, it's going to be really poorly paid. It's going to take them forever to pay back their loans. Um, yeah, but, I, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, and it's a fast-changing world out there in terms of what tools you use, how you use them. Um, so I, I, I hope that you know students are getting a good education. Well, the the irony in my in my opinion, and this is totally my opinion, is that um, it seems like newspapers are getting shallower and shallower in their mm-hmm. depth of their content and research, and right. um, 
you know, especially you can definitely tell, you know, in 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 uh, during this time during the elections that and the people on both sides of the aisle, you know, are helping manipulate media and and yeah. it, and journalism never used to be that. It used to be someone, mm-hmm. you know, that that told the good and the bad and and you know. Um, yeah. So I so there's some irony there that you know here we have you know Tom's you know obviously got these in, impeccable relationships where he's getting you know the the top of the line information because of you know what 20 years of connections there Tom um uh more than that but I don't really want to um do the numbers <laughs> <laughs> but you know I mean but that's that's the 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 value that that you're bringing and and the the clarity of, of your writing is is because of all of that you know that investment that you've made through all sure. of those years and yeah. and it's unfortunate that we have kids coming out of journalist schools that are you know basically writing blog posts for major newspapers and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. and not able to and and honestly it's not their fault it's that you know the newspaper budgets are cut and they can't travel and exactly. they can't do they can't yeah. do three months of research on a story. They're not allowed to do any of that stuff. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, I remember some journalists, uh, some of my friends who worked at Business Week back in the day, they would say, uh, what are you working on? Oh, I've got a story. I've got a 250-word story coming out next month. <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, it got spiked. Or, you know, they haven't written or had anything published in months. And and magazines could afford to do that to pay these people really well, get them working on stories, you know, fact checking the hell out of them and everything, and then not even run the story at the end of the day, <laughs> because they could, you know, they had an abundance of resources. Now, you know, journalists need to write five stories in a day, when when you know they'd write four or five in a week. So so obviously something's going to give. But they're basically rewriting press releases most of the time. And do you feel like like the answer is what you accomplished? The answer to what? Well the the answer is, is if you're if you're a talented journalist that that um can produce content that people appreciate and obviously sponsors want to, you know, um buy advertisements on the site that you're writing on um, that value is there. Yeah. No, is, is I don't think that is the answer because while it works for me, it doesn't mean it's 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 easy to do and will work for anybody that wants to do that. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, just just want to do their job. They don't want to have to try and set up a, a media site and do all the other work around that and so on. And you know, there was an idea of this standalone journalism um, back in the mid 2000, um, uh, where you know, uh, standalone journalists would would be the new rising stars of this age. But just because you can do everything yourself doesn't mean you should do everything yourself. You know, teams are always going to win over individuals, and. In some way, uh, my side is kind of anachronistic because at the moment it's just me. I mean, in the past I've had other people working with me. But it's not really a model which other people can follow easily. Um, Today, you know, we really 
living in a world of page view journalism where journalists can't afford to even write about a small startup because they're not going to get the page views and the and in a lot of cases, their salary is linked to how many page views they get. So they start you know, following each other and writing about Britney Spears or Apple. You know? uh, and uh, that's not much fun. It's not very satisfying for them. Uh, and also this product journalism, tech journalism has become product journalism, which is deadly dull. Everybody's competing to to write scoops which are essentially product spec sheets about mass-produced consumer electronic products. There's not much uh, glory or <laughs> fun in that. Um, you know, so I, I don't see uh, media really, you know, uh, I'm not sure what the answer is. It's not what I'm doing. That's a good answer for me, but it, it can't really be applied across the board. <coughs> Tom, what about, you know, with the advent of, uh, of social media, one of the things I've noticed is that, um, that at least for some journalists, having that, that level of interaction has been a very positive effect for them. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think about um, the flow over at the Rolling Stone that has covered the financial crisis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he will interact with his audience, uh, which... In in my mind is 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 very positive because he is able to continue uh, not only the, the narrative of the story but also uh, fine tune it if you will uh, as mm -hmm. part of the overall dialogue. What, what are your thoughts on on how social yeah. media is impacting all of this? Yeah, for, um, you know, some journalists are able to use it very effectively. It does improve their work and so on. Um, a lot of journalists don't really want to interact with readers that much. I mean, they don't have the time. You know, if you're researching stories, you're talking to people, you're already in a lot of conversations anyway, you know, with your editors and, and so on. And then uh, to interact with readers, that, that's, you know, not everybody is capable of doing that. Um, you really have to be kind of hyper-social in a way. And um, a lot of journalists don't want to do that. They just want to get on with their work. They don't want to interact all the time. They, um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem for the older journalists, I think. Um, Matt Tabibi's a, a young guy, so he's probably grown up, you know, developing those skills, uh, and it's kind of second nature to him. But that's not true for a lot of people. And um, however, you know, they do have to change. Um, I like to joke that journalists can't type very well. They certainly can't spell, um, but they can tell stories. Um, but they don't like learning new things. Uh, I mean, I know journalists that don't even know how to upload a photo to their websites. You know, um, they don't know anything about HTML or CSS. Um, you think, wow, surely you, will, surely you should know something about the basic building blocks of publishing technology, you know. Um, but that's the way it is. And um, and in the middle of all this turmoil and so on, um, they really don't know which way to turn. Um, and I see that continuing 
And, and you mentioned uh, special interest groups and so on. That's a real danger. Um, losing this professional media class, which people in PR marketing, well, PR mainly, call them gatekeepers, right? You know, and it's a derogatory term, gatekeeper. <laughs> However, it was also, uh, yeah, there, there was gatekeeping involved, but it was to make sure that, you know, that the story, the real story, as much as we, we can get to the real story, came out. You know, the gatekeepers knew when the companies in their beats are, are spinning things, you know. Um, and, you know, they would take steps to moderate that or, or try and get the right information and so on. Um, media performs a really important role in society. You know, um, sometimes referred to as the fourth estate. Absolutely. And now with that fourth estate shrinking so much, special interest groups are going to have a field day. Um, I was on Australian uh, broadcast uh, corporation called me up uh, a couple of months ago. They wanted me to take part in a radio debate about... Um, uh, one of their largest uh, media organizations, uh, media companies, was laying off 2,000 uh, workers, um, hundreds of top journalists, uh, and so on. Uh, this is Fairfax Media. And I, and I said, well, what's this going to mean? I said, well, it's not going to be good because special groups are going to have a field day with that. I said, oh, well, actually, Gina Reinhart, uh, who's the world's wealthiest woman, is trying to get free board seats on Fairfax Media, and she wants hire and fire privileges for the editors. You know, and Amazing. She's into mining, and it's quite, you know, it's, it's a controversial subject in Australia, so there you go. <laughs> you know. But, and you see this thing all over the place. Yeah, it's definitely controversial within the industry. I, I wish it was as controversial <laughs> outside the industry. Uh I think people would would you know, cry if they if they've seen, you know, how much it's been manipulated over the over the years and yeah. and, and social media honestly in, in one respect has made it a little bit worse. Mhm. We don't yeah. we don't have those guardians and those filters anymore. Yeah. But when I got into uh, blogging, I, at the time there was this idea that there would be an army of citizen journalists arising where, you know, this army of citizen journalists would ferret out the truth of stories, you know, um, kind of play a super role of uh, um, <laughs> like a super journalist in a way. I'm not sure how they can do that from their bedroom <laughs> computer uh, but that never happened in fact you know social media has more become an amplification for the stuff from mainstream media um, it's become social distribution of mass media or, or sodden as I <laughs> <laughs> called it that's fantastic <laughs> nice um and unfortunately, that's the case. It's, it's it amplifies the the mass media, and the mass media has been severely um, corrupted and corruptible by special interest groups. So yeah. it's not a good thing. And you know, we have some really tough decisions to make as a, as a society. We've got stuff about energy, education, elder health care. 
the environment, the ecology, the economy, and those are just the things that begin with the letter E. <laughs> and media is how we make decisions, how we how we look at the information, and if we, it's how society thinks things through. And if we have bad quality media, we're going to be making bad quality decisions about those things. So that's what really um, I've been trying to warn about and focus on. That. Okay, whatever you feel about newspapers going under, a lot of people are fine, great. They were you know, useless anyway or whatever. Well, what about that role that was played by newspapers, uh, that watchdog role, you know, where companies, individuals were concerned about what newspapers wrote about them and tried to stay out of the front pages, right? You know, now with that going away, well, how how are those companies going to um, behave now? Are they going to try and get away with more, um, more egregious things? Uh, I would, you know, um, this is really an important issue. It, it really is. And and unfortunately, I mean, again, I'll I'll throw in my my opinion is, I think the newspapers, uh, you know, dropped a few um, a few rungs on the ladder by mm-hmm. you know rather than showing you know showing their value, instead they decided to play in the dirt, and and I think they mm-hmm. they did themselves a disservice, and now. Now people don't see value in newspapers, and now the newspapers are like the local newspaper here is is going to a paid subscription model online and offline. Well, it's it's almost too late. You you've already laid off all of the great journalists, and you've already made yourself a little bit of a you know rag instead of a you know in, instead of the quality um, material that you used to put out. So. Um, asking people to pay for it now is is uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's a little bit too late. Right. People have already started looking at other sources, yeah. so they're already reading from other places and hearing other voices, and don't have the same kind of connection. Yeah. You know, back to that mm-hmm. paper. Well, it's it's, yeah. it's great talking to someone that. I mean, obviously, I'm not a journalist. I, I, I worked <laughs> I worked on the evil marketing side in a newspaper, <laughs> but but the you know the respect was absolutely always there and. And within a newspaper, it was even frowned upon for me to walk to that level. You know, if if I went down to the second floor, which was Mm -hmm. the journalists, um, people would ask, what are you doing down here? Why are you down here? What are you working on? And and any any relationship between us was absolutely frowned upon and scrutinized. Um, yeah, which is kind of strange if you think about it. I mean, it's like a business that where the commercial side of business can't talk to the yeah. creative side of business. Well, it was funny back then, even 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 back then, ten ten years ago. Of course, mm-hmm. I had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of tools to do, you know, geolocation and 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 research and everything else. And um, mm-hmm. and my poor counterpart that worked in research in the editorial room was, you know, he was trying to load open source software, you know, <laughs> and uh, and trying to get things working while I had millions of dollars worth of yeah. of of, uh, of stuff. So uh, we we tried to. Uh, that's where we were trying to bridge the gap was, you know, create a, a certain way where 
he could get access to the data that we had, but not violate, you know, any of the of the marketing advertising, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> separation. But this is a fascinating conversation. Let's let's take another short break, and when we get back, Tom, let's talk about um, Silicon Valley Watcher and 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 how you've grown and and what people can expect there. Uh, I really I absolutely want to promote your publication, which is just uh, top notch. So we will be. Uh, right back with uh, Tom Fransky from um, Silicon Valley Watcher. Outside the box, pushing the envelope, back to the drawing board. Thinking in new ways means doing in new ways, and it's hard to work creatively when you rely on old tools. Whiteboards, sticky notes, and endless email threads only get you so far, and don't work if your team is scattered across the globe. At MindJet, we offer the tools for more vibrant and productive brainstorming. MindJet puts your ideas into a visual framework in terms people can understand and shares it with anyone, anywhere, anytime. Work fast, work smart. Go to MindJet.com to learn more. Delivera has been providing email software and professional services for more than 13 years. Delivera helps businesses and organizations execute effective email marketing campaigns by providing dynamic software and professional services, from full-out consulting engagements to help when you need it in areas such as design, production, deliverability, and testing. Voted one of the 2011 best places to work in Indiana and one of Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies. Delivera partners with businesses and organizations across all industries and verticals and truly opens its doors each and every day to put the customer first. To learn more about Delivera, visit www.delivera.com or call 866-915-9465. Tell them you heard about Delivera from the Marketing Technology Blog. And we're back with uh, Tom Fremsky of Silicon Valley Watcher. Uh, Tom, obviously people can find you at SiliconValleyWatcher.com, uh, and they can subscribe there as well. Uh, you can subscribe by email or by uh, RSS, and you're on Twitter as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Tom Fremsky. Yeah. Tom Fremsky, and that's F-O-R-E-M-E-N. <laughs> did I I did it wrong? F O R E M S K I. I apologize. That's that's terrible. Uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. This has just been um, an incredible conversation, and it's really right up our alley. I mean, Marty and Anita and I were talking on the break, and we have just the most incredible respect for uh, for journalists. And the keep keep preaching what you're preaching because. Uh, the powers that be need to hear this message over and over that um, that they're losing control of this and, and, and there has to be a way out. I'm not sure what the answer is, and it sounds like you're not sure yeah. what the answer is either. I'm not sure what the answer is, but I, I, I really I really think it's – I think it's actually one of the most important issues facing, facing us as a society going forward, uh, how we deal with – um, not being able to pay for a professional media class. Um, now, you know, there are media business models that are working, you know, uh, 
especially if you focus on niche, if you really focus on niche industries, for example. Um, but that kind of general purpose uh, newspaper model is really difficult to make work. And, um, you know, people ask me, what's the new media business model? And I said, look, I'm not sure, but it's more than just advertising. It's what I call the Heinz 57 business model. <laughs> You've got to have not 57 revenue streams, but you've got to manage multiple revenue streams, um, lead generation, say, you know, special marketing packages and so on. It's n not just having lunch with your top advertisers. It's much more complicated. And, and so the publishers of the future of successful media companies are, are going to have to develop those skills of being able to develop and manage multiple revenue streams and that's not that easy. And, and the other thing also that um, media companies uh, have to realize is that media is a lost leader. You know, you know if, if, if I'm making diapers and I'm also publishing about you know, becoming a media company, well, that's fine because that's a lost leader. I've, I'm making my money from selling diapers. So. But if I'm just a media company, I've got nothing else to sell except media, then that's a real problem. Um, that's why media companies have these big losses. Um, you know, so they need to develop new new business uh, operations, really, around that. And it's going to be different for each company, and some of them won't be able to do that. that they'll just fall apart. They'll be disrupted by what's happening and... Uh, and uh, you know, the job will have to be done by uh, other companies, startups maybe, that are coming into this market without the uh, without the burden of that legacy culture and legacy costs. Um, you know, the uh, San Francisco Chronicle here, for example, a couple of years ago said they were shutting down their print um, uh, operation because it was costing them too much money. Well, yeah, in three years' time, they would shut it down because of union agreements and so on. Yeah, so it's... Um, Media companies are real in a tremendous bind, uh, you know. And you mentioned that uh, newspapers weren't doing the things that they sh could have been doing, and so on. Well, that's true. They could have been doing. They could have done a better job at uh, a lot of things. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure even if that would have saved them, because fundamentally, the money's not there. The revenue model is completely different online. Yeah, you know, you have this situation where newspapers are gaining readership, but then losing money. You know, it's like this is strange. You know, normally when we gain readership, you know, we make more money, but no, because you can only make one tenth of what you can from an online reader. It's it's and, it's amazing because back you know back when I was working in the industry, it wasn't um, it wasn't difficult to get a thirty percent profit margin. <laughs> <laughs> at a newspaper, and and I and yeah. you know we I know the the online department that that we had at the time was was absolutely begging corporate you know to invest there. They they saw mm -hmm. that the direction was there, and it just didn't happen. You know, it, yeah. it, new presses and new distribution channels and new you know new mm -hmm. products and new 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 and and uh, and um, yeah. so so. Yeah, it's it's a it's a complex world that some of it they they ate themselves and and some of it yeah. you know, the world changed around them and it's turned yeah. a negative on both sides. And when you're going through constant layoffs, I mean, it's a terrible place to work. 
I mean, I'm glad I didn't have to put up with some of the stuff that was going on at the San Jose Mercury or the Chronicle where they would have regular waves of layoffs and just working in, in that kind of environment, everybody's you know, depressed. And a friend of mine was working at the Mercury in San Jose. He said that they stopped, uh, the management stopped replacing the light bulbs and so on. So they got used to working in the dark and when they got acquired by other company that actually did put some lights in. Everybody complained <laughs> because it was wow. too bright. <laughs> well, in, the, in the, the newspaper here, the, I always tell people that I absolutely loved the people that I worked because as those resources dried up and as we didn't have them, we all just chipped in and, and, and it was a... Mm-hmm. It, it, people don't realize that it's a modern miracle to get a newspaper out on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's just the complexity is beyond yeah. any Dreams and there's a million things that can go wrong from the start, you know, to the end of the production. So, so what was interesting was as a team we pulled together and really covered each other's backs and helped each other as much as possible. And yeah. so the the people within the industry, I think, are are the real champions. The middle, yeah. the middle management and the the journalists and the and the workers yeah. just did an incredible job. Unfortunately, I think. I think leadership, uh, you know, went in a different direction. Yeah, and that that was something that I, uh, that was one of the reasons I left, was that I could see management didn't understand what was going on, and they they thought it was just another business cycle that when when it comes back again, you know, we're really profitable, and that's true. But something has changed fundamentally. It ain't going to come back the way it was. It's it's a different world, and... uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of management um, just ended up not doing anything or not knowing what to do. And at the end of the day, I don't think there was anything that they could do because right. just the legacy costs and so on uh, weren't going to enable them to make the change changes necessary. Well, once again, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I really enjoyed this. I, I mean, I love talking about this subject. So, yeah. Thank you. Well, and and for everybody again, SiliconValleyWatcher.com. Please um, go visit uh, Tom's site. He's he's well known within the industry. Um, always within the top fifty most influential out there. Uh, constantly re- regarded by um, sites all over as as a just an incredible source of information. Uh, Tom, thank you so much again for joining us. And uh, you're welcome. And looking forward to touching base with you. We'll we'll yeah. we'll get out there to Silicon Valley someday and, and take you out to lunch. Well, maybe I can come visit you guys. Uh, yeah, our door is always open for you, Tom. Cool, great. Thank you, thanks, sir. guys. Thanks right. a lot. Bye now. Bye. Connect with us anytime at marketingtechblog.com. And from there, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog.